All right, welcome to the 74th episode of Clubhouse Convos. After a long hiatus, it's your host, Colin Scully, back uh, in the lead chair with my two great friends, Evan and Newman, going OG today. Um, Newman, how are you doing today, pal? I'm good. It, it actually snowed here for a brief 10-minute period, which means it's time to fire up the Christmas music. Um, I'm pretty oh, excited. Oh, oh, yeah, oh. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I agree. my God. That's a garbage fucking take. You're just we off. should have a podcast at some point in the near future where we don't talk any sports and we just talk about things like that. Mm. Yeah, I'm done. A little too Anyways, pace, yeah. Evan, how are you doing today as you sip what appears to be lemonade? You are correct, sir. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just kind of tired, long week. I have a huge assignment due tomorrow that I haven't started, so... Uh, Really not going to be doing too much. Uh, men's uh, soccer, though, has a home playoff game today uh, against Seton Hall. So I will be there. Going to be a good game. Calling? Calling no, game. I'm just doing my live tweeting. So, yeah, check out my Twitter. Gotcha. Okay. I will definitely follow along since I do not want to stand outside while it's 37 and windy. True. It sucks. Yep. So, uh, obviously, long hiatus, as I mentioned in the open. We're just going to talk some sports. We'll go MLB first since we missed, obviously, all the playoffs, really. We haven't talked any baseball since, I believe, the wild card round. Um, so, obviously, the Astros win the World Series, defeating the Phillies in six games. Um, just some thoughts, reactions to the series, and overall the playoffs. Newman? Uh it was a great series. I mean, the results are, you know, I think what we probably all expected, right? I was impressed with the fight that the Phillies put up against such a ridiculous team in the Astros. Um, their bullpen, unreal, 0.83 ERA in the playoffs. Um, just goes to show the, the importance of back-end pitching, and then you immediately see them lock up Montero, and Diaz gets that deal, and Suarez gets that deal. I think a lot of teams are taking a page out of that book but the Astros are just a force I think as soon as they beat the Yankees it was kind of over in my mind I don't think the Phillies had much of a shot so congrats to the Astros even though they suck Evan well congrats to the Astros uh congratulations to Christian Vasquez happy about that um always was one of my favorite Red Sox players obviously here for his entire career gets traded at the deadline and wins uh which is always nice to see uh, I will say, I will comment on Philadelphia. Um, I thought they had a great run. I think one of the more fun postseason runs to watch. I mean, it was just big moment after big moment. You think of uh, the Reese Hoskins home run, uh, you know, against Atlanta. You think about the Bryce Harper <coughs> series winning home run uh, against San Diego. Uh, Kyle Schwarber was hitting just moonshots, his 488-foot home run. So, the Phillies were incredible to watch throughout the postseason. Again, Newman said Houston's pitching. Uh, it's their identity, and uh, that's how they won. And a lot of homegrown talent, a, a lot of young players around age 25 still there. I mean, they're going to be a juggernaut for years to come. Also, congratulations, Dusty Baker, uh, one of the best. Happy for him uh, to, to get his first World Series with the Astros. Yeah, um, pretty much just echoing everything you guys said. Uh, it was fun to just watch competitive baseball without having a stake in it. I feel like, you know, typically all I watch is the Red Sox in the playoffs. So I won't really watch any other baseball, but I just found myself missing the Red Sox, especially after uh, how bad the season was, where I just wanted to watch the baseball. And it was nice that the games were, were always competitive. And I mean... How about the atmosphere in both stadiums? Crazy. Excuse me. Yeah, um, electric. Just so electric, so awesome. I mean, everybody says baseball is dying. I don't think so. Uh, Bryce Harper is one of the most marketable athletes on the planet right now. Um, there, there's so much good talent. Um, and speaking of talent, uh, Justin Verlander won the World Series and then went on to win the AL Cy Young. Newman's boyfriend Sandy Alcantara wins the NL Cy Young um any thoughts on that and, and do you think Verlander should have won a, I, I thought Cease had a pretty good argument 
Yeah, I think in the AL, it was much more of a toss-up. I was very shocked to see Verlander win unanimously. It's the first time that they both won unanimous since, like, the 1950s. Uh, I thought Cease did have a case, although I thought Verlander was deserving. Same with Sandy. I think he was easily the most deserving. All those innings. Um, obviously Six didn't, complete games. It's fucking yeah, crazy. More than most teams. Um, obviously didn't get to showcase it in the playoffs, uh, but every time he goes out there, it makes his contract look like an absolute steal. So congrats to Sandy and Justin. They both deserve it. Yeah, I mean – no surprise, um, really, for me, for either. I mean, Verlander, what a year. I don't know how he's doing that at age 37, I think he is. Simply off the Tommy John. Off the Tommy John, missed some time. So, it's just – it's awesome to see Verlander pitch well. Uh, and, I mean, it, he was just extraordinary. And Sandy, I mean, you know, Newman's lover, just continues to log <laughs> innings and, and just log strong innings. And to me, I'm not surprised that was unanimous. I think he was very well-deserved. Yeah, I, I mean – I think what Sandy's doing is good. I don't think that part of baseball should die. Like, if you're dominant and you can go nine, I think you should, despite the analytics and the pitch count. Like, I don't think that matters. I don't think, you know, Miami would be stupid to go to their bullpen in the seventh inning because that's what the analytics say when Sandy's on the mound and he's rolling like he does. Like, I don't think that part of baseball should die. I feel like there are parts – of the game that should just be purely strategic and managers are kind of going away from that. And I wish they wouldn't, but that's kind of my opinion on that. I don't know if you guys agree or what you think. No, I agree. I feel like it's becoming, you know, go five innings and turn it over to the bullpen. There's very few guys who they'll And that's so seven. boring as a fan, like well, because yeah, all the bullpen visits and the mound and, well, because of a huge part of it now, of the game nowadays is just the analytics. So, you know, you look at – there's always chatter in the dugout of, all right, like should we bring on a reliever now? Yeah, for example, Zach Wheeler, you know, he's given up three hits in this inning. Should we take him out to go to the lefty or, or what do we do? You know, so they're always thinking ahead. And I think when you have a pitcher as dominant as Sandy – who's great against both right-handers and left-handers, it's so easy for the Marlins manager to just be like, all right, go go the distance. I'm not even going to think about it. This is all, this is your game. You're going to finish it. Um, and so I think sometimes, uh, to sum it all up, I think sometimes managers get too um, invested with the analytics and, and kind of not kind of what's going on on the field. Yeah, I, I'd agree there. Uh, a couple transactional moves, some some that were, I guess, important in my opinion. Not too much has happened so far, um, but Tyler Anderson moves from the Dodgers to the Angels, a three-year, $39 million deal. I think it's a good signing for the Angels. Yeah, I think it's great for them. I think the pitching was kind of the reason they underperformed. I know a lot of us had them in their playoffs at the beginning of the year, but outside of Sandoval and Otani on the, the occasion when he would pitch, their pitching was pretty lackluster. I think anytime. And then pitcher, uh, Syndergaard goes to Philly and pitches really well. Yeah, I know. That kind of sucks. But I think anytime a pitcher goes to the Dodgers, they kind of become gold. I, mean, I, was, I was just checking out the numbers today. His batting average against the changeup went from 250 to 179 during his year with the Dodgers, and his cutters down like 40 points as well. Uh, so they've got some pitching gurus over there. They look at the analytics with a fine-tooth comb and figure it out. So I think the Angels probably recognize that, and I think it's a really good move for them. Well, it's definitely a team that needed pitching, and I think it's funny too. I mean, Tyler Anderson was the guy who almost threw a no-hitter against the Angels this season, if not for Shohei Otani coming up clutch, I believe in the eighth or eighth or ninth inning. Uh, so I thought that was funny. I think he's a good pitcher. Um, I To Newman's point, I'm a little weary with guys leaving Los Angeles. I mean, for example, a pitcher that comes to my mind, Andrew Heaney. I know he started with the Angels, but he was shaky. He was about a four-year A. He goes to the Dodgers, pitches much better. So, you know, for Tyler Anderson next year, I think it's reasonable to expect probably a three, seven, five to four ERA. Um, but again, he's going to log innings and he's going to, you know, be in the rotation the whole year. I doubt he gets injured. So um, it was what they needed and they had to spend it in some regard. I feel like that's a little high for the ERA. I think like just because he's not there doesn't mean he can't 
carry over those mechanics. Oh, I agree. He's a very much like a five-inning guy, though, so it's tough. Yeah. But like it's tough, two- too, because, yeah. I mean, he's just a guy who's never been great besides last year. I mean, ask New yeah. Seattle. <laughs> I liked him. He was good. Uh, moving on, uh, a, a little New York news. Well, number one, I, I don't really know too much about what the whole Mets-Yankees judge thing. Do you know about that, Newman? No, I just I saw that this morning. I haven't really looked at it. There's like some sort of allegation of tampering on one side or the other. I'm not sure which. But anyways, Anthony Rizzo resigns with the Yankees. Um, I thought this would be of interest to Dan. However, he's not on the podcast. Um honestly think I, I could care less about this move. I don't, I don't know what you do think. So I'm reading it now. I think it's something about the Mets telling the Yankees they wouldn't bid on Judge. Although I don't know the full story. Um, are we talking about Rizzo? Yeah. I it's I think it's super important for the Yankees to keep Rizzo, obviously one of the best defensive first basemen in the league. But not only that, it's well documented that he has become very close with Aaron Judge the past two years. So I think it's super important to retain him in the hopes of hopefully getting Aaron judge back in pinstripes. So it was a good price. I think it made sense for both sides uh, to keep him. Uh, I mean, he's just a player to me. That's not really exciting anymore. Uh, When I saw this, I just, I think I just kept scrolling on Instagram. Um, Now he'll hit probably 20 bombs. He'll hit probably two thirty. I mean, I don't know. It's just not exciting. If I'm a Yankees fan, it's hard for me to get inspired by that move. I think they had to keep him, but again, it's just not anything that's going to get me out of bed in the morning. That's exactly how I feel as well. Uh, and lastly, <laughs> Teoscar, Teoscar Hernandez going to Newman Zone, Seattle Mariners for uh, the two relievers, Swanson and Mako. Well, I'm sure Newman can tell us about it. I know Swanson had a really good year out of the pen this year, but what do you think of the move? I like the move. Uh, we needed hitting. Obviously, that was kind of our downfall all season. Swanson, yeah, had a career year, but he's been, you know, at the bottom of our bullpen terrible for years, so I'm glad we moved on <laughs> from him. We immediately promoted Baroa to the fifth 40 man, who's basically just a Swanson twin, but throws 100, so I really don't care about that, but I think most importantly, it means Hanniger is probably gone, which sucks because he's been kind of a staple of the Mariners for years and years. So sad to see him go, but less hitting or less at bats for Winker and Kelnick is probably for the best in our outfield. So I'm happy overall. Well, do you think when uh, Winker stays? I fucking hope not. I'd rather see Kelnick get more at bats, Kyle Lewis get more at bats. Kelnick sucks, dude. He got better. And the back half of the year, he was actually really good. They got to play him. From he's what too, I've seen, he fucking sucks. Good. No, he sucks. But His I, prospect ranking and how hyped up he was makes you, I feel like, have to play him. Yeah, yeah but it also makes you think like he needs to play good right away. I think that also hurts prospects sometimes, especially when other prospects are coming up around him and performing. No, I agree. I I thought he was good at the end of last year uh, and the end of this year going into the playoffs. He was one of our best hitters. Um, but considering we traded Diaz for him, I'm okay with because Munoz is basically just Diaz part two. So it's, we kind of got him for free at that point. He's uh he's 23. I mean, this year is going to be a big year, I think for him. Uh, as far as the trade goes, I like the trade for Seattle. I think, Tay Oscar is one of uh, – he's a very good power hitter. Um, and I would take him on my team over Hanniger uh, 10 out of 10 times. I just think with Hanniger too, it's like you have the concern for injury. I think Tay Oscar is a high-energy guy, good clubhouse guy based on everything I've seen. So uh, I like the move for Seattle. And uh, I feel like Jerry DePoto never misses. Jerry never misses. And, and this guy is one year removed from – being a four hitter on a very good offensive team. I think he had 300 with 30 bombs and 100 RBIs. So I think you slide him in with the guys around him. It's already a pretty solid lineup. You think about Toronto, it's like they just like Bichette, Vlad, Springer. um, Who am I forgetting? Guriel, Kirk. Guriel, yeah. 
Like, there's just so many guys there that Teoscar wasn't getting enough opportunities. For Toronto, I'm a little confused because they trade him and they also DFA'd Tapia, which leaves them Springer. So I don't know what they're doing in the outfield. Well, I think Guriel can play outfield. Yes, and Guriel. You're right. My bad. But still, that uh, Springer can't stay healthy, and they don't have a right fielder now. That's true. Judge? <laughs> Brian Reynolds, maybe? Yeah, maybe. I mean – I mean, they they definitely want to be better. Uh, oh, the Red Sox were chatting on Brian Reynolds. Yes, I saw that too. I would love that. I'd love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's so good. I'd love that. Um, should we move on? Should we talk a little uh, disgusting NBA? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, I suppose. All right, Celtics, my first bullet point. How could they not be? They're 12-3 and three on an eight-game win streak. They look unbelievable. Tatum's third in the league in scoring. Um, looks like they don't miss Ime one bit. Just some, some Celtics reactions. Yeah, I'll be honest. I have not watched a lot of basketball, so I was combing through the numbers before this. Uh, things I noticed, Tatum, obviously he's been all over Instagram for his – numbers this year he's really not doing anything statistically different than last year he's just shooting more which is something i think we all wanted from him we needed a guy to shoot the ball kind of take control (laughs) jalen brown also not doing anything different but mr consistency averaging 25 points as he has for the past like three years so so yeah i love him and then you know shooting wise third and uh, field goal percentage, fourth and three-point percentage. The only concerning thing I saw was Tatum leads in rebounds, which I feel like could be an issue maybe with our center. Al is, he has like six rebounds a game, so I don't know how we'll match up down the road against some uh, big-name centers, but overall, I'm, I'm psyched. We need Rob Will back. Um, and a couple things that I would also mention before Evan goes. Sam Hauser, I tweeted this a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Should win most improved player. I mean, this guy's fucking <laughs> had nobody just going fucking crazy right now. He's the best plus minus in the entire fucking league. Uh, I believe he's like close to 50%, if not 50% from deep. The dude's running all over the place. He reminds me just like Duncan Robinson, but he's actually like competent on defense. So he gets minutes still. I mean, he's just what the Celtics been missing. A guy that can run around all over the place and shoot threes from anywhere. Well, and he they, was always there. You don't could just never played him. I know. And Brogdon, going to make me some money, six men of the year. He's so fucking good. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he is. Um, I would say for Tatum, I mean, he's been great, right? I mean, 19 points against Atlanta was his season low. Uh, still contributed eight assists, right? So even when he's not scoring, he's getting involved, moving the basketball. Um, again, only shot 31% in that game against Atlanta. That was his season low. I feel like so often with Tatum, we just see him uh, tr- just launch shots and you know have that field goal percentage be low. It's been better this year, which has been great. Um, but even like when Tatum's struggling, I mean, Grant Williams hits four threes in a game, and then he can give you minutes. Hauser can give you minutes. Um, so it's been a team effort for sure with the Celtics again, led by their two stars, just a dominant team, dominant force right now. Absolutely. Some couple team, a couple teams in the East that we all undoubtedly had in the playoffs currently nine through 12 sits Philadelphia, Miami, Chicago, and Brooklyn. Um, I, I don't think anyone expected this teams like the Knicks, the Wizards, um, just it, it's surprising so far. I know it's early, but 76ers without Harden. I don't know much about the Heat or Bulls. Obviously, the Nets have dealt with the Kyrie issues. He's a fucking idiot. Um, and Simmons has also sucked. But what do you guys make of that right now? I think generally, I think Bulls and Heat, I see rebounding. Sixers with Harden back. Obviously, it'll get better. The Nets, I mean, Ben Simmons, my God. I was looking at his per-game stat line, 6, 6, 6, and 4. And by 4, I mean 4 fouls per game because the dude <laughs> is nearly fouling out before he has a chance to put up any kind of numbers. Um, I saw a clip on Instagram of him running up the court with a wide-open dunk, and he just, like, turned turned into, like, a turtle in the paint and then dished it back out beyond the arc. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. So I don't know what they're doing. I saw KD with some interesting quotes the other day. 
about expecting him basically to just carry the team, like he's some kind of superstar or something. But they're kind of lost. The also the rest are I think will be okay. Yeah, I agree. Um, no, I think it's just so early. Uh, as far as Ben goes, of course he's been you know brutal. One of the the biggest disappointments in the league has been Ben Simmons, but. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the teams you mentioned uh, have great coaches for one, uh, great stars for two. I'm just not going to be worried about them yet. Um, if you want to have a conversation about a team that I'm a little worried about, it's probably the Warriors at six and nine. Um, they look bad. They've looked really bad. I'd be more concerned about them than the four teams you listed, besides maybe Brooklyn. Brooklyn's just a disaster. KD yeah. might want to request a trade, but Golden State just not been good. I'd be concerned about them. I have Golden State on my list if you guys would like to talk about them. Sure. Sure. So, Evan, why are you so concerned? I do see where you're coming from. They've they've been pretty fucking bad. So, I mean, for me, um, obviously, you go back and you look at kind of what happened before the year with Draymond Green and Jordan Poole, and you thought, all right, this is just nothing. You know what? This team will be fine. And, and I do think, like, that story has kind of – I guess manifested itself this year. I mean, they're losing games. They're getting slapped in the face by teams that they should be beating. Right. I mean, the Sacramento Kings have played really well against them twice and they lost to them once um, beat them another time. But again, those have been really close games. They've lost to the Pelicans on the road. They've lost to the magic on the road. They've lost to the heat on the road. They've lost to the Pistons on the road and the Hornets on the road. Great in the Bay, but this season away from uh, their Oracle, whatever. They've just been very bad. And how are you losing to the Magic on the road? I have absolutely no idea. Um, again, lost to the Nuggets at home. They've beaten a Laker team. They've beaten the Kings actually twice. Eight points combined, uh, they've beat them by in the two games. So, I mean, that could easily be two more losses. It's just – it's really concerning for me. Um, you know, they did beat the Cavs at home, the Spurs at home. Lost to the Suns yesterday. I don't know. I'm just I, – I wonder why – like, I just don't know really what's happening with them. Clay Thompson's been really bad from what I've heard. Uh, I don't know what you guys have to say. Yeah, I mean, I had them on my list. They're in 12th place right now. Um, I had a couple other teams on there as well that we can get to afterwards. But I think, you know, it might be time to start saying Draymond, Clay. I still think Steph is elite. He's definitely one of the best players left in the game, but Steph or Clay, Draymond, I, I don't know. They might be um, – they're certainly on the back nine, but it might be time that they come off the bench. Uh, so, to your point, 50 points for Curry last night and they still can't win. Yeah, uh, it might be time that they come off the bench and you hand the keys to the young guys um, – I get you've invested so much money into them, and obviously there's so much love and thankfulness towards them for all the championships. But, you know, you have guys like Poole and Kaminga and Wiseman, all, all these young guys that can come off the bench and, and probably play better. I'm not sure what their starting five looks like, so I could be wrong. They could already be coming off the bench, but I would say if they aren't, they probably should. Yeah, I think the uh the Splash Brothers is quickly turning into the Splash Brother. Um play <laughs> Quay pretty low in scoring on their team, like you guys have said. So I agree. A couple other teams in the West. Uh Clippers at eight, Wolves at nine, Lakers at fourteen. What do you guys think of those three teams? I mean the Lakers are just a shit show. <laughs> like LeBron, LeBron's numbers are still the same as they've been his entire career, and they are getting blown out every game. Russell Westbrook, he's coming off the bench, then he's starting, and then he looks good, and then he's back on the bench. It's very strange. Um, the Clippers and Wolves, I feel like, are going to jump back in. Um, but the Lakers, my God, they're just horrendous to watch. I don't really know how they're bad because, I mean, AD, you look at his stat line this year, I mean, he's 24 points, 11 rebounds, three assists, two blocks, over a steal a game. They got to trade him. He's not really the problem. LeBron's not the problem. I mean, everyone else on that team is just fucking bad. They have to trade AD because LeBron's going to leave. 
yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I just don't know, even know what's going to happen. They're they're that horrible. What what's the record? Two and uh, ten, two they're eleven. Three, they're three and ten, four and ten, I think. Somewhere down there, not good. They're not good. Um, I do agree, Newman. I think Clippers, Wolves will jump back in, but Rudy Gobert's been ugh, ugh, fucking garbage. Yeah. Four first round picks. That's gonna be. That's gonna cost them. I think. Um, two other teams: Jazz, Rudy Gobert's former team. Obviously, we're at first place in first place at one point. They're now ten and six. They've lost their last three. They've dropped down to fourth. How long until they're out of it? I say less than a month. Uh, I'd probably agree with you. I think for the the Jazz, I think. They remind me a lot of the the San Francisco Giants analogy that we like to bring up. Just a lot of random guys contributing. None of them really over 30 minutes, but a lot of guys in the 20s. I think eight guys playing 20-plus minutes, all averaging double-digit points. So I think, That's kind of crazy. Think, yeah, like that can work. I just think they don't have a star where the NBA is a very star-driven league. I think it's going to fall apart eventually. Like Markinen leads the team with 21 points per game. That's not going to last. No. Um, I think they'll make the playoffs, honestly. Um, I think Mark play in or playoffs, mm, probably play in. Um, so I don't know if that classifies as falling off, but I would argue that Warrior Markinen is a budding star, budding superstar in the league. Uh, you look at his numbers, I mean, 33 minutes a game, as Newman said, 21. Eight boards, two and a half assists, um, a block a game, like the number one rated power forward in fantasy. Um, yeah, he's just been really good. Been really good. He does a lot. Uh, he can hit the three pointer, uh, he can get to the hoop, he can finish at the rim, uh, and he can play defense. So, I mean, that to me is kind of what he's about. And you remember him back with the Cavs at the end of last year. He was actually pretty good uh, in that playing game against Atlanta. He was really good. So I'm not really surprised to see this from Markinen. Sexton's been bad, which has hurt them. And outside of them, outside of them too, I don't really know who else is even on that roster, really. Uh, I mean, Clarkson, Bogdanovich, I know are still there. Uh, Bogdan- which Bogdanovich? The other one? Yeah. Have to look, uh, but in my opinion, it's just uh, yeah, it's probably not going to last. But I still think the West is bad. Yeah, I honestly can't speak on the Jazz. I haven't seen a single minute or highlight, so I have no idea. But uh, the last team I wanted to talk about was the Blazers, who are in first place with Damian Lillard back and healthy. Um, they made some additions: Simmons, Grant, obviously Nurkic. They did get Grant, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think of them so far? Do you think they'll they'll hang up around the top? I'm not saying first place, but I don't think so. I think they're a five through eight kind of team. I mean, Jeremy Grant has been shooting as one of the best three pointers shooters this year. They're twenty second in points scored, uh, so that really doesn't speak to a, a first place team. They're just shooting top three and three point percentage, I think, which is kind of keeping them up there and relevant. They've been really good. Lillard's been great and Grant's been great, but I just don't see them hanging up there for long. I don't yeah. either. It's one of those things where everybody's clicking right now, uh, and when they start playing, you know, elite championship caliber teams, I think they'll fade a little bit. Again, playing team probably, top 10 probably, but I agree with him. Yeah, I'd agree as well. Um, oh, that Browns, is that what you just sweet? Yeah, Browns, Bills, to Detroit. Um, that's all I had for NBA. Um, talk a little hockey, and then uh, a rant is returning to the podcast, and then we'll wrap. Sweet. Uh, first – Bullet point for me is the New Jersey Devils at 13 and three on a 10 game heater, as Jackies would say. Um, they've looked really good. All those young guys that we've been talking about for a few years now, Brat, Hughes, the addition of Dougie last year. Um, honestly, couldn't give you like too many other names on that team. Miles Wood, but I know he's not huge. 
a huge player for them. Severson, obviously Vanacek and Blackwood. Um, but what do you guys think of the Devils? They have really surprised me, to be honest. I didn't even have them in my playoffs. Um, but Vanacek is 7-1. and one. They All their goalies have been injured at a period of time, and they've somehow made it work. Uh, he's been the best so far. Jack Hughes and Heischer are having absolute breakout years. They're finally coming around. I have them both on my Heischer, fantasy yes. team. Their power play has been deadly with the two of them on it. Um, those like they score averaging like two points a game on this stretch. It's nuts. So I don't know how long it's going to last, but I mean, they're, they're riding the high. I've rooted for them at this point. They're pretty fun to watch. Great young group. Uh, I agree with a lot of what you said, uh, Connor. I would say don't sleep on Jesper Bratt. I mean, this guy really one of the more underrated players in the league. I mean, he's already at 21 points this year, six goals, 15 assists. I mean, he's as good as it gets. Um, again, I don't know if it'll last. I'm not sure. That's but... more than both Hughes and Heesher, by the way. Yeah. I would. I mean, he's kind of that playmaker that they have, but um, I would just say I'm not sure how long it'll last. But they look pretty damn good right now. I mean, they and they lost their first two games or two out of the first three games that they had this year. So it's a team that's riding hot, and you know, I don't know if it'll last. But you're a Devils fan; you can't help but be excited. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo everything you guys have said. It is an exciting time to be a Devils fan. I think it's only going to go up from here. I mean, I'm not saying they'll stay in first place, but I think this is the upwards trajectory of that team. I think within three years, uh, them – and I, I do see the Sabres on a similar path if they can keep adding. I think the Devils have added enough where they can sustain winning. I, I think they could make the playoffs right now just with the way they've started. If they can play – 650 hockey the rest of the way they could easily make it um but the sabers like tage thompson's a superstar uh olafson has 11 goals skinner looks good darlene's playing fantastic um they're coming around guys like cousins middle sad playing with more confidence um have you guys watched them play i've got to watch them play a couple times so yeah, they took it to Tampa a couple weeks ago. They look really good, um, especially the young guys, Owen Power. I mean, Devin Levi on the way. Um, I know Sabres fans are pretty excited. I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to watch them. Talk the and Krebs and Cousins. I forgot about all those guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to me, I mean, Darlene's been the guy for them, for me, who's really stood out the most. I mean, he's looked unbelievable this season. Seven goals. He had goals in five straight games at one point. Really figuring it out. He's been a monster quarterback in the power play for them. Already 62 shots for the defenseman. Block shots, uh, hits, just does it all. And I think it's kind of a, been the breakout year for Darlene. He just was a guy who had a lot of hype coming into the league, felt like he couldn't really figure it out. Um, you know, when he was here with Ristolainen, Ristolainen goes. And now finally I feel like it's the Dalian show, which is phenomenal. So he's been unbelievable. Yeah, and I remember one of our very first pods ever, we were shitting on Dalian. He was like a minus 20 or a minus 18. Yeah, he was so high in minuses. It was like minus 38, I think. It was crazy. It was so really <laughs> horrible. Nuts. Rank uh, four, by the way, in, in all of fantasy. Wow. wow, in teams, in, in terms of teams with probably very few players in the minuses this year, Boston Bruins at fourteen and two look like an absolute train. Um, I mean, just up and down the lineup for me. I've watched almost every game. Up and down the lineup production. Nick Foligno looks like a different dude. He's playing fucking unbelievable. Connor Clifton is coming on as the top four defenseman. Lindholm has yet to have a minus game as a Bruin. Uh, that's 29 games, by the way. McAvoy is back. Marshan is back. Pasta is on a different level. Even Taylor Hall is putting up points. They just look absolutely unbelievable. Oh, and yeah. I forgot to mention Omar. Thank you, Evan, for that, by the way. Ranked two in all of fantasy. Evan drops him before he even plays a game. He's fucking carrying me right now. And he'll yeah, shut out I mean, Philly tonight for like 12 points. I'm sure he will. I mean, he's 11-1 right now. 
I think given consistent playing time, Olmark has returned, you know, good play and some 936 eight percentage, probably one of the best in the favorites at this point. Um, I mean, Lindholm, I know you guys have been singing his praises. I just think you can't say enough, you know, with McAvoy recovering for those first few games, what Lindholm was able to do. DeBrusque as well with Marshand out at the beginning of the year. Um, very impressive stuff. I think we'll see. I like I texted in the chat the other day. They have that huge seven game stretch against some really good teams. So I'm excited to see how they hold up. I think they're going to do really well. I think they probably go five and two down that stretch. Yeah. Yeah. I would say um, just kind of a different point. I think we got to give Don Sweeney some credit. And, and no. I know. Yes, fuck I think him, we, fuck do. Him, fuck him. we absolutely have to call him, whether you like it. I or think not. we have I mean, to give makes... Jim Montgomery some credit. I think we can give both credit. I think when you look at what Sweeney's done, you look at the production, right? You look at Olmark. That's a signing from Don Sweeney. Uh, you look at the trade to bring in Zaka. That's Don Sweeney. You look at you brought up Nick Foligno. That's Don Sweeney. You look up Hampus Lindholm at the deadline, by the way, who was on a one-year deal and he locks him up within the next day for eight years. So you, you so he's done that. Um, obviously he's managed to keep Marshand, uh, Pasternak, Bergeron all here, signs Bergeron on a one-year deal worth $2.4 I'm sure Bergeron wanted less money, but, I mean, that's a negotiation between Sweeney and the agent. Um, so you look at kind of all of that, right, and you're like, damn, like that's Crazy. all Don Sweeney's work. Brings Krejci back, keeps Brings the bros happy. Hires Jim Montgomery with him. He has Neely. to sign Pasta, no. though. If he doesn't sign pasta, none of it matters. No, I know. But I'm just saying, I think he's proving uh, all his moves are proving to be successful this year. And I think you have to give him some credit. Jim Montgomery's been great. I called him the perfect hire. It made made a lot of sense. Excuse me. But, I mean, the guys who Sweeney's brought in are producing. And you got to give him some credit. Well, I think Don Sweeney's problem this year is – there's no like, problem. There's, no, hold why, on. why are you saying there's a problem? There's no problem. They're 14 and two. How's there a problem? Listen, listen to this, Seven. In 20 years, the Bruins have had a very strong core for the last 20 years. They've won one Stanley Cup. And this year, they look like the best team in hockey. This is the best start they've ever had. This is the best start in the last 20 years that they've had with Cam Neely in the front office. And Don Sweeney's last, what, six years? Best start they've had. And then they go and they sign that kid. And now nobody's talking about all the great things he did this offseason. They're talking about the dumb, idiotic, senseless thing he did when they were 10 and 1. No one's talking about that anymore. Uh, Sweeney, and yeah, Sweeney and Neely caught flack, but who the fuck's still talking about that? Nobody. They're 14 and two. They're 9 0 0 at home. I forgot about it, to be completely honest. <laughs> until we today talked about it before it the ball. You swept it under the rug, brother. I'll sweep it under the rug. More, they're 14 and two. I think more people should have been talking about it. I, I'm shocked that it didn't make national news. I think it should have. It's fucking disgusting. Oh, it is disgusting. He's horrible. I disagree with the signing. I do. It, it made no sense at, w- with the record that they had. Um, and, you know, the league called them out on it, and th- they, they made the move to get rid of them. They issued a statement. Like, they, you know. The thing is, though, nobody in the locker room liked that, and that's not good for the front office. That's not good for Boston's outlook. Like, that's just not smart. I look at results, though. Like, the, yeah, the, the results the guys are great right now. The in are playing well. I know, but maybe – like maybe the the emotion towards the front office has shifted in the locker room after that is all I'm saying, and that doesn't mean that they're not going to play well. It just means that they're not going to like the front office, which is not good. Newman, what do you think? Uh, I don't think from an outsider really perspective, like the front office. I mean, I feel if like they love the coach. They don't need to love the front office. Well, they need to love both. I just, I, I just feel like it was very. Like the whole thing was very rushed. I mean, they they don't sign them anymore, and then they just kind of shush the whole thing away. Now they're doing this PR stunt of a investigation, which I'm sure will go nowhere. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The whole thing was a little rough, and then there's like reports that like you you weren't even allowed to sign that kid. So like, yeah, because he's not eligible to play in either the AHL or the NHL. Yeah. So the whole process was clearly rushed. 
for for what? Like, what is he really going to play at all? Like, I don't even makes no sense. I just think that was dumb. It was dumb. You don't need him. No, it was dumb. We all agree it was dumb. I just My think it, it could have long term implications. Fair I'm focused thing. on this year. I'm focused in the present moment. Me too, and they look great. Um, couple teams, uh, not a couple, many teams that some of us or all of us had in the playoffs that don't look great: Capitals, Penguins, Wild, Predators, Blues, and Canucks are all not even in a wild card position as of right now. Um, outside of the Wild, most of these teams are very outside of a wild card. Um, any teams that jump out to you at all? Uh, I would say. Personally, just the Capitals since Evan had him first. <laughs> Not to call you out, but I just remember that moment so vividly. Um, Kemper is nothing to blame. Uh, they've had some injuries. The offense has been bad. I mean, we're, Nick Backstrom might never play again. Um, you know, I love the Kemper move, but they're just not playing well in front of Kemper. Uh, it's unfortunate. Um, because I think they, I mean, they have the pieces there, like. I mean, Dylan Strome, one of my breakout players, has been phenomenal. Uh, Kuznetsov's, you know, he's only scored one or two goals this year. Ovechkin, you know, he's he's doing his thing, but I think they're just missing the depth scoring. Oshie, uh, Eller, yeah. Mantha. I mean, there's guys there. It's just, they're not producing right now. So that, that's my take on Washington. I think the defense is a little weak. What For about sure. uh, any other teams on that list? Or Newman, do you have – yeah, I mean, I didn't even have Washington in my playoffs, so this doesn't come as a surprise for me. But I had Vancouver finishing second in the Pacific, and they have looked fucking atrocious. I mean, Demko, I picked him up on a whim, hoping he'll just turn it around. But holy shit, he's 1-8 right now. 8.74 save percentage. Brock Besser doesn't even have a goal yet. I oh mean, on the plus side, Bo Horvath is second in the league in goals, so... Hopefully he can spread those goals around to the to the rest of the team. Him and Patterson have kind of been a, a two man show. They've been Miller's awful. been decent, but Miller's like a minus ten though. It's like yeah. Well, I they need know. to fire Boudreaux. Uh, I mean, <laughs> they had like that great. No, seriously, they had that great stretch last year when he got hired. But to me, it never made sense. I don't know why the NHL more than any other league just recycles these old fucks over and over <laughs> and over again. Like, that dude should be done. He should be done. Mike Babcock's name should never come up again in, in a coaching interview. Guys like that, they're done. Like, their style of play is not how the NHL plays anymore. And they don't evolve to that. I guess, like, you look at Lindy Ruff this year in New Jersey, and that's what everyone says. But, <laughs> like, there's a difference between Lindy Ruff giving the leash to Jack Hughes and – Bruce Boudreau, like, literally standing on the bench monotone for three hours while his team blows a three-goal lead, and he doesn't react at all. Like, he just sucks. He's got to go. They need a young guy, someone that can – that's the thing. I think more more and more coaches are moving younger and younger because they can connect more to the players on a personal level. And I think, yeah, it's great to have guys that, like, really know the game and have coached forever, but more and more so sports are becoming about relationships, and I think – that is how more teams should look at it. Yeah, I think it's a fair assumption. I mean, look at uh, Cassidy, your guy Cassidy in Vegas. I didn't yeah. even have them in my playoffs. They look like one of the best teams in the fucking league right now. They're nuts. I had I had them in I had them second. I think I still had Ed, no, I had Calgary one. To your point, though, I mean, why do – why is the NHL like that? Like, I think the only – So many guys. That was made was, – that was different was, I think, Luke Richardson in Montreal. Or, no, he was in Chicago. So, I think that was the only different one. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, David Quinn in San Jose, who's just – he's there. Um, You keep scrolling up. I mean, Dave Haxtell in Seattle made a little sense. Uh, um, I'm just continuing to scroll here. Rick Bonus goes back to the goes to the Jets. I mean, he's old as hell. Paul Maurice goes to the Panthers. That's another one. Um, you know what I mean? Like John Tortorella, he's been rotated around. Yeah. Bobby Let Washington's been rotated around. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah, Quenville. He used to get passed around. 
mm-hmm. for Ruby. Yeah. Pretty much yeah, all. Geez. Yeah. Fucking uh, DeBoer, whatever his name is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's another one. I forgot about that one. Go on. Yeah. That's the thing, though. When you I find think... when a team when a team gets a good coach, they keep him. It's yeah. so weird, though, because like they go and then they have success elsewhere, and like that's why they keep doing it. But I don't know. I just think they should get away from that because they either have a lot of success right away, mostly because it's a really good team. Or they just suck. Mm. Uh, any other teams on that list? The Blues stand out to me too. They've been fucking putrid that offense. Ugh. Four straight wins. All that though. money. Four yeah, straight yeah, wins. They're, they're figuring it out. The rest, they're all pretty close. Back to getting back in the playoffs. Besides yeah. Vancouver, so they miss Huso. He's been really good in Detroit this year. Yes. I had a couple questions about uh, teams, whether or not they're legit, and then we will go to the rant. We'll wrap up. Um, first, the Kraken. Sitting currently in second place, third place in the Pacific. Third. It's Vegas, LA, Seattle. I don't think they're legit. I think they're good. They only have four players in double-digit points, though, and I don't – I don't realistically know how long Martin Jones can just play every game while Grubauer's on LTIR. Um, I don't know. Like the kid, the young, the young kids have been really good. I just don't. They're an expansion team, and it's going to take some time for them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you know they'll probably probably finish fifth, fourth or fifth. I don't know if that'll be a good enough for a playoff spot. I think they're better better than the Sharks, Canucks, and Ducks. Uh, I'm just looking at it right now. I mean, Calgary's uh, Calgary's iffy for me lately. So is Edmonton. But, um, yeah, Seattle, I don't think they're it's their time yet. You got to love, though, Martin Jones. He's looked great. And, you know, he did at one point lead San Jose to a cup. So it, crazier things have happened. I think it, it, the most encouraging thing this year has been the special teams. Uh, they brought in guys like uh, Bjorkstrand, um Who's the other second one? Burakovsky. Uh, Guys like that that you know are going to put up 20 to 30 goals and boost your special teams there. Power play was fucking horrible last year. Uh, It's been a lot better this year. And when you have special teams that you know you can somewhat rely on, it just makes playing five-on-five so much easier. Um, Next team, Winnipeg. It's tough to say. I feel like – and they didn't – they weren't in the playoffs last year, right? No. No. But I feel like in the past five years, they're always in the playoffs. Um, so a team, I think, that re- realistically should be in the conversation. I think Hello Buck's always been really solid, and, and Shifley has been putting up good numbers for my fantasy team. But I don't really know about the rest of the players, but I think they have a good shot. I feel like the Western Conference in general is a little weaker than the East, so – Especially that central division is pretty pretty ass right now. So I don't know. I could see them being a playoff team for sure. I mean, if they could get the defense uh, in goaltending last year, I mean, the offense is usually pretty good with Connor Shifley, right? Wheeler's been pretty good again. Uh, Perfidi's playing now. So, I mean, the offense is really the issue. Yeah. I mean, Hellebuck was just so bad last year. He's really figured it out this year. Um, so that's been great to see. Obviously, if you're a Jets fan. Um, so I think if, if they can ride Hellebuck, I think they'll be pretty. Oh, I think they're a playoff team, yeah. Yeah, the, I think it's another guy, Rick Bonus. Like, just they're gonna, they're an older group, an older core. They've been around, they're gonna play consistently. You get that star play from Shifley and Connor, it's gonna be enough to power them through. I mean, you look at what Bonus did last year in Dallas, like, it's just that first line that carried them, so um. Maybe they can do a similar thing in Winnipeg. I think they have more depth than that Dallas team did last year. But I also think on the back end, like outside of Pionk and Morrissey, none of their defensemen really excite me offensively or defensively. Um, so that is a little concerning to me. But if they can get consistent goaltending play, like you said, Ev, they could definitely make a run. Uh, last team, the New York Islanders, second place right now in the Metro. I think they're just going to miss barely. Um, 
Although with the I I had originally had Ottawa in my playoffs, so the way they're trending, I guess New York can take that last spot. I really like the Islanders. I think they're a pretty good all around team. I think on any given day, I would take Sorokin over Shesterkin in a heartbeat. The guy is just so good, and Shesterkin has just been so bad this year. Um, but I, I don't know. I like the Islanders. Them and the Devils up one and two right now, kind of leading the Metro. I could see it with the way that uh, Washington and Ottawa and Detroit are playing. I think it's kind of wide open on the back end of the, the playoff picture. Yeah, I agree. Um, they're a team that, you know, again, not much real change, I feel like, since in years past. I mean, Barzell's still there. Uh, they got a lot of the same group on the back end, and obviously Sorokin and Goal. Uh, again, it's a team, if they can score, they can win. And right now, I mean, they've been scoring goals. They've had a few good comebacks this year. But if you look at kind of their games, four goals, zero goals, four goals, four goals, zero goals. So, I mean, it, they could be anywhere on any given night, which the unpredictability from for the Islanders for me is a little bit concerning. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. Um, but if Sorokin puts together a Vesna campaign, I think anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at these guys on fantasy. Like, Paul Mary has five goals this year, but Bailey has been a healthy scratch. Uh, Beauvillier scoreless in his last five. Barzal, uh, as far as I know, still is yet to actually score a goal. So I don't know <laughs> where the fuck their goal scoring is even coming from. Yeah, he has 18 assists this year, no goals. Um, shocking, uh, a guy that skilled. Um, Anders Lee has eight. Outside of that, I have no fucking clue who's scoring for them. So. Nelson Nelson has nine. Lee with eight. Dobson has five. Parise, Palmieri, Wallstrom also with five. So not a yeah, lot. Yeah, like Parise and Palmieri ain't going to fucking last. Um, I still think Nelson and Lee could probably put up close to 30 with that power play. But <sighs> they just have no fucking scoring. And as good as Sorokin is, he won't be able to keep them in enough games, I don't think. Had they signed Kadri, I think that totally changes the conversation because mm-hmm. all the pressure comes off of Barzal now where you can roll Kadri out behind him and suddenly you have two lines that are like expected to be able to produce at a high volume. Mm-hmm. And now that Barzal, like, I'm not surprised he doesn't have any goals. He probably feels so necessary to facilitate He's not even thinking about scoring because they just have no offense, no players that can create their own offense on that team. Mm-hmm. He's so good, though. I mean, I picked him up, watched some of their highlights this year. I mean, he's so good with the puck, so good with the puck. Um, yeah. I know we kind of chirped on him. Yeah, I mean, the goal scoring's been bad, but I think his playmaking ability is so valuable to that team. Yeah. Um, so that wraps it up. We have a rant. Okay. Unless anybody wants it, I have one prepared. Oh, you? Oh, take it away. All right. Clock starts now. It's about the New England Patriots. Um, they're just in this such a strange spot, right? If they win this week, that puts them at six and four. They'd be right there with everyone else. I think Miami wins, or Miami's going to buy this week, but I think. Uh, Miami seven and three, Buffalo six and four, seven and four if they win. So New England's right there, right? And the AFC has been so competitive this year, but to me, it hasn't like New England. I don't think their their offense is probably the worst offense in football. I'd say right now they're just so so bad. Outside of Sam Ellinger's Colts or or Carson Wentz's Commanders, but they've been awful. Um, and I've sent a couple of videos of Orvislavski talking uh, on TV about the Patriots. And I can't agree more with what he said. Like the spacing is terrible. The timing is off. Max ready to throw the ball before receiver even looks at him. That just can't work. Um, It's honestly a miracle that they complete passes. If that's the case. And there's so many examples of it. The play calling is just so fucking disgusting. It's so fucking horrible. You have two running backs that are like fucking beasts. And you just don't give them enough touches, I don't think. You want to throw the ball too much. And when you do throw it, you're throwing, like, double screens or these little dinky dunk over the middles. Like, it's fucking so boring to watch. And it's so easy to yeah. defend. It's so easily predictable. 
I've never seen so many screens blown up before they even start than I have watching the Patriots this year. And that was literally a staple of the New England offense because it was so fucking effective. Every team in the NFL started using screens the way New England did because it was so effective. And now it, it's it's a lost cause. Matt Patricia is a fucking moron. And honestly, I'm starting to question Belichick. Like, because what are you doing setting your team up for failure? And I'm, I know I'm over two <laughs> minutes, but if you don't mind, I'd like to keep going. Um, what are you doing setting yourself up to fail? by not actually signing an offensive coordinator and the two guys you assign responsibility to have no offensive experience. Matt Patricia was an award-winning defensive coordinator. That is how he got hired as head coach, not for his offensive mind, which obviously in Detroit was fucking lacking. Um, Joe Judge, another guy whose offensive mind fucking lacking in new york look at what dayball's done with them this year they're competent they're running the ball well daniel jones isn't turning it over look at what happens when he comes back to new england mac has more interceptions than touchdowns new england fans are calling for this fucking fourth round nobody who was a d2 player at one point to be the starter because he's hitting on slants and lucky two-on-one balls uh it's just fucking disgusting and the fact that they're even still in it has to be a credit to Matt Judon who's right now the deep boy uh and Jack <laughs> Jones who's the defensive rookie of the year in my opinion they've just I mean no sorry Gardner is still sauces but he's very close they've just been fantastic on defense but I mean Evan what are your thoughts because I hate being a Patriots fan right now I don't even want to watch them they're fucking so awful but they keep winning I don't get it Kids lagging um, like a motherfucker. Wi-Fi is probably bad, so I'm probably. Yeah. yeah. Nope. All right. There we go. Do you got like, me now? We can hear you. you. Have me now. Yeah. No. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Can you can hear. hear me. All right. Um. All right. No. It's just. All right. Good. It's just so bad. I mean, it's so bad. And, and I agree with you. I mean, you know, I think if I were them right now, I mean, you you, you see some of the talent, right? Like, I mean, you t- love to talk about Orlovsky. I mean. W- I wonder if they said, you know, fuck off to Matt Patricia. He's and already Judge said that he wants the in. job. Well, he, he clearly does if he's talking about Mac Jones all the damn time on NFL Live. Yeah, he, he's come out and said he would take he would he would accept the job if Mac Jones was the quarterback. Yeah. Not to cut you off, but finish finish what you were saying. Yeah. Lagging so much. Can you hear me? It's a fucking disaster. He said, throw the thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, no, I agree with you. I mean, you just the, – the situation around him. This is so bad. I'm just going to stop talking. Cut take it away. Just take off. it away. That's uh, fucking wrap. funny. All right, let's wrap the pod. It's been long. Uh, I wanted to talk <laughs> about this on Clubhouse because we never get the time on Gridiron. It always goes so long. But uh, Evan's Wi-Fi is not cooperating. So we'll live, to, we'll live to talk about it another day. But good pod, gentlemen. Nice to be back on Clubhouse. Uh, if you still follow us somehow on Instagram or Spotify or whatever, thanks for uh, – Thanks for staying true, man. Or woman. We don't discriminate here. We're an equal oh, opportunity God. podcast. All right. All right. It ending. No, no. Let's end this. Peace. Put your tears away. Ain't no fear today. You can drive off towards that summertime sunset. The sweat you ain't done yet. Take the keys. Leave the regrets. Write your letters. Place your bets. I'll be the one who accepts. You know,